Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. So beautiful. It's not every day you get a banjo and an accordion in church. Yes, yeah, so good. Uh, Mary and Brenna, that's Mary's daughter Brenna singing. How cool is that? Mother and daughter duo. And charity, so it's a trio. Um, that's what three people is, just so you know. and make that clear today. Man, I'm so happy to be back with y'all this morning. It has been a, a wild couple of weeks for our family. Um, our daughter Emmy is doing better every day. I'm so thankful for this. Um, she's actually coming to the 1045 service today, which is so good. Thank you. Um, i just say this. I'm, I'm so thankful for this community. We have the most amazing people around us. Y'all have encouraged us so much praying for us, um, bringing meals to our house. Man, we had some good meals this week. Um, just amazing. We just want to thank you today. Um, I want to just do a quick couple little pastoral things. Is that okay? Just little reminders for you. Um, Christmas is a week from today. Did blood pressure rise? We, we good? Yeah. Um, so next Sunday morning, you saw it on there, but I want to say it again. We want you to stay home with your family, with your friends, and celebrate Jesus together, okay? So don't come here next Sunday because we won't be here. Um, if you're here, you'll be out in the parking lot alone, and we don't want that for you. But do come Christmas Eve, okay? Um, it's going to be so beautiful. We do our Christmas Eve candlelight, uh, one-hour service um, at 2.30 and 4. And I read this stat the other day that 82% of people that are invited by a friend to come to church will come but that only 2% of Christians invite people to come. That's pretty crazy, right? So I want to encourage you, um, Saturday is an amazing service to invite people that maybe would never come to, to a church service, maybe friends, family, people. Have them come. It's going to be a beautiful time of just worship, kids' choirs singing, some special music. I'm sharing a super short little message, and uh, we're going to just worship Jesus. I encourage you to do that. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that we'll be back the next Sunday, which is New Year's Day, is a Sunday. How many think that's an amazing thing to worship God, bringing in the new year? Um, so we'll be together here on, on New Year's Day, and then the next day we're actually going to begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's like three people pumped about this. So here's the deal. There's a time for feasting. There's a time for fasting. The next two weeks is a time for feasting. And then January 2nd is the time for fasting. Some of you look mad at me about this. It's okay. Um, Anyways, I uh, encourage you to get ready for that. And uh, last thing is I want to thank you for your giving this year. As we're winding up the year, uh, I want you to know we've been able to impact people in our city in really significant ways. And, and honestly, through the nations, we have been able to impact nations. People's lives have been changed by your giving. People have been saved. People have heard the gospel that would not have heard. People's lives physically have been saved because of your giving. It's amazing what you have done. I know many people evaluate their finances in that last part of the year and giving uh, year-end gifts, and I want to encourage you to sow generously. I want to encourage you to sow generously. Um, when we put God first in our lives, that includes putting him first in our finances, and that's, the first is the 10% of, of what we make is God's. It's just his. It's easy. It's his. All of it is his. But the first 10, we give back to him. And anything above that, offerings, sacrificial giving, 
um, all of that, uh, we give to him. And the Bible says that, that, that he, if, when we, we honor him in this, that he will open the floodgates of heaven with blessing. It's a promise that's actually in the book of Malachi. And it actually said, God says, test me in this. Test me in this. So I want to encourage you to close out the year. Um, this is amazing soil uh, the, for, for the kingdom of God to come forth through Hope Church, um, through giving to God. It's the very best investment that you could ever have. How many would say yes to that? It truly is. You could put your money a lot of places, but this is, this is the most amazing place to put it, the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you to, to consider that and make those decisions um, in the next week or two. All right, are you ready for the message? Y'all are kind of quiet today. Is it it because it's cold? Your bones are cold? Okay. Do we need to do an exercise or two? No. Okay, we won't do that. Um, I love every December leading leading into December to just read back over um, the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus in Matthew and Luke. They're just filled with such richness, such depth. And uh, I love to spend time in there. We're going to spend some time this morning in those two passages today. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, um, when you open it up in Matthew chapter 1, it doesn't immediately begin with his actual birth. It, it actually begins with what seems like an endless list of names. And uh, we call these names the genealogy of Jesus. And at first, when you start reading this very, very long list of names, you think, let's skip past these names and get to the good stuff. Let's get to, like, where the action is, right? How many, if you're honest, have skipped the genealogy? Okay, we have a few truthful people here today, the rest of you. um, I have skipped them many times. But in Jewish culture, uh, the genealogy was like a resume of sorts. It communicated who you were. Um, where you came from, it communicated who your family was, it communicated what kind of pedigree, we could say, that you came from, and uh, it was kind of like the who's who in the zoo, so that's a Pastor Gary line. Um, your, your genealogy was the way in which you said to the world, this is who I am, this is who I am, and as I, I dug into this, I'll be honest, I kind of started nerding out on it a little bit. Um, and I found that, that people in this time, much like today, would actually adjust their genealogy, their resume, to only reflect things that made them look good. For instance, we know that Herod the Great, um, who was a central figure there in this whole story, omitted many names from his public genealogy because he didn't want anyone to know that certain people in his family were connected to him. Has anyone ever done that? Okay, no hands, please. Um, Have you been tempted to do that? Okay. Um, So the genealogy, uh, your resume, was used to impress people with where you came from. But as Matthew writes the genealogy of Jesus Christ, he actually does the opposite He does the opposite. Now, we don't have time to read the whole genealogy today, um, but as you read through the generations of names there in Matthew chapter 1, we find that he he actually excludes names of some very distinguished people, people that you would actually want in your genealogy, not like your weird uncle, but like your awesome, you know, cousin. Um, And he excludes some of them, people like Sarah, 
People like Rebecca, people like Rachel, those people that you would want in your resume. He actually excludes some of those people, and instead he includes in the genealogy, Matthew does, women like Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, of which at least three of these women were involved in sexual immorality, and three, if not four, were Gentiles. So you think about this, I mean, like Rahab, right, was a Canaanite, and, and if you know anything about the culture in that time, Canaanites um, hated the Jews, and on top of it, Rahab was a prostitute. So right there in the genealogy of Jesus is a prostitute in his family line. This is something you would want left out of your genealogy, but it is there. In fact, Matthew mentions King David there. You think of King David, you're like, okay, yeah, we want a king in our genealogy. We want the royal blood to, to be listed there in, in where I'm from. And, and, uh, but listen to how he lists David here in verse 6. He says, and, and, and it's funny, I don't know that I, this has ever stood out to me before, but it, it did as I was nerding out. Um, verse 6, and Jesse, it says, the father of David the king. Right? So that's good. And then it says, And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now, if you remember, David had an affair with Bathsheba. Do you remember this? And, and after that affair, he actually had her husband, Uriah, killed to cover it up. So it could have easily, in this genealogy, read, David was the father of Solomon by his wife Bathsheba. But it doesn't say that. It says, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. So what Matthew's doing here is that he's emphasizing that Bathsheba was first someone else's wife of whom David had murdered. Matthew isn't leaving out Bathsheba's name as a dig against Bathsheba. He does it to emphasize the sin that David had committed because guess what? It's part of the story. Do y'all have a story? All right, do y'all come from a story? We all come from a story. The point is that out of this incredibly dysfunctional family line and this very flawed man named David, the Messiah, the Savior of the entire world, Jesus Christ came to the earth. And here's the thing, how God decides to come is through broken, imperfect, messed up people. And God is showing us here, you're like, what's the point, Josh? Get to it. The point is this. God is showing us that human imperfections and human failures do not limit him and will not stop or thwart his plan from going forth. That is the truth. That is the truth. His word will be accomplished regardless. He can work through anybody to carry out his will and his plan, even the disreputable. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ today. And the way that he came is also the way that he comes and continues to work through all of us today. God still chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he still uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. How many are thankful for that this morning? I am too. One of, one of the aspects as well that is so powerful about this list of names on this page is that 
They highlight the fact that Christmas isn't just about a birth only. It isn't just about a moment only. Christmas is about a coming. Christmas is about a coming. God had planned for the arrival of his son for centuries, for millennia. In fact, from the very beginning, before the angel came to Mary and Joseph and told them about what was going to happen, he was working. He was planning. And I want to tell you today, you can be encouraged because God is still working and God is still moving his plans forward for all of humanity. And that includes his plan for you in your life. It's just the truth. You think about this. 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, it was prophesied through Isaiah that this baby was coming. 700 years. Let's read it. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Can we read these together? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are some incredible names. Goes on, it says, of the increase of his government and a peace, there will be no end. That's the promise of God. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, get this, from this time forth and forevermore. How many know forevermore is a long time? Forevermore is forevermore. Forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So if I'm in the room and Isaiah is prophesying this prophecy, I'm gonna be like, let's go. That baby is coming like today. That baby's like coming tomorrow. His government is going to be so big, it's going to take over the world. He is going to make Israel great again. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that day, and it didn't happen that way wasn't for 700 more years. 700 more years after he prophesied it. How many say 700 years is a long time to wait? In fact, for 400 years before Jesus was born, there was no prophetic voice, much less the Messiah. It was quiet. It, it, It looked like God had forgotten them. You know, we live in a, in a culture that wants everything right now, right? Like, we have to wait for a stoplight to turn green, and we think that's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like my internet didn't work, like, at the top speed today. I had to wait five seconds for what I was trying to pull up. You know, like, we are, we are instant gratification, right? Like, it's like we want it now. It needs to be here But get this, God is planning and moving on a totally different timetable. God is moving and planning on a totally different timetable. A day, the Bible says, is as a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years as one day. 
The Lord, it says there in 2 Peter 3, it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. How many know that sometimes when we're waiting on the promises of God, we should trust that his heart is good towards us and there's a reason why we're waiting? That there's a reason why we're waiting because he's patient towards us and he's in this for the long game. I want to tell you this today. You cannot measure God by your calendar. You cannot measure God by your calendar or through your understanding of time. God may take his time, but church, he never forgets his promises. He always keeps his word. It seemed like nobody was coming, but then he came, the incarnation, God in the flesh appearing. I love this little verse in Galatians 4, 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. In other words, when God's appointed time had come, God sent Jesus. Do you know that God has appointed times? In a world that looks and feels like it is spiraling out of control more and more every day, I want to remind you of this promise that the zeal of the Lord of hosts is at work. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is at work. Zeal means it's his passionate commitment. Zeal means he is passionately committed to do what he said he's going to do. What's the prophecy that we just read he said he was going to do? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. To establish it, to uphold it with righteousness and justice from this time forth and forevermore. I want to tell you today, church, God is passionately committed to seeing his word fulfilled. And I want to say it again. You cannot measure and you cannot judge God by your calendar or through your understanding of time. But be assured, God is moving his plan on his timetable. It might look like he's running behind. Have you ever thought God's a little behind? It might look like he's a little behind. It might seem like he's, he's late according to your calculations. But right now, I declare this over you. He's in the process of arranging all that will fulfill every single one of his promises. Every single one. Globally individually, on all the levels, God is working everything out. And when we get so uptight in any kind of moment, we got to back out and say, God, I want to see what you're doing. And I want to rest patiently, believing that you're, you're moving in all the ways. He does and he moves through whoever and whatever circumstances are necessary to accomplish his word. But he always partners with people. And we see this so clearly through the lives of Mary and Joseph. You ready for a little Joseph here? Matthew chapter 1, you know the story. Joseph is engaged to Mary. Before they come to the marriage bed, he finds that she's pregnant. It was from the Holy Spirit, of course. But he didn't know that. And I think it's easy to become so familiar with this story 
that we can miss how upsetting that would have been. We can miss how confusing that moment would have been. We can miss how hurtful that this whole moment would have been to Joseph. But the Bible says about Joseph there in, in Matthew 1 that he was a just man. And that he didn't want to disgrace Mary. So it says when he learned that she was pregnant, he decides to do what logically makes sense to him in his mind. And it says he resolved to divorce her quietly. So this is some spicy television. You know, like, I mean, this, this is like a few degrees hotter than Hallmark. This is like, you know what I'm saying? This is like, I don't know. Is that station's lifetime? Is that still out there? I hope you don't watch it. Uh, this is like, I don't know, this is like Netflix. This, this, is, this is intense. What's going on here? I mean, really, like, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, Mary and Joseph, da da da, da. But these are real-life people going through these un, unheard-of moments, like crushing moments where they have this opportunity to respond to God or not. And it says there in verse 20, it says, but as he considered these things, Meaning like he, he's considering all this stuff. She's pregnant. What do I do? He considers these things. He's like, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Um, he's considering all this. So Joseph, he, he's come up with this plan, right? He's come up with this plan. And as it says, as he, he's considering all of this, um, you know, it's like he's thinking through it. Have you ever had a, a situation, a problem where you're like, you're considering it, you're thinking through it, and you, you think, and you think, and you think, and you think, and you overthink, and you overthink, and you overthink, and you overthink? This is what is happening here with Joseph. It means he thought and thought and thought. His mind undoubtedly is racing about what he's going to do. He's probably laying in bed at night going over and over in his mind. Have you ever laid in bed at night thinking through something over and over? My, my, I have done that many times. The Bible says he, he's asleep, and as he's asleep, he has a supernatural encounter in a dream. And it says in verse 20, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to, make Mary, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah had prophesied that, which means God with us. So God interrupts Joseph's thoughts in the night. And what happens? That the angel comes and quotes the word of the Lord to him. In his dream, God, God sends the angel. The angel actually quotes Isaiah, the word of God to him. I want to tell you this real practically that the number one way that God speaks to us is through his word. The number one way he speaks to us is through his word. And it usually takes us slowing down to hear. Sometimes we are like, oh, we're not hearing, we're not hearing. And our mind is just racing and racing and racing. And we're thinking and we're thinking and we're thinking. But sometimes we actually have to slow down to hear what God is saying. In this case, Joseph was sleeping. 
I, I love what Job 33 says. I, I'm not going to pull it up for you right now, but it says that if people won't listen to God in the day, he'll speak to them in the night. It says in dreams, in visions, in the night, they, while they were sleeping on their bed, Job says, he opens their ears and warns them that he may turn man aside from his deed. In other words, turn man aside from what they were planning to do. I'll tell you, don't be surprised if God speaks to you in a dream, especially if you're older, because old men will dream dreams. My jokes are not going over well today. I'm a little rusty from this preaching gig. I'm sorry. Cheesy, cheesy, cheesy. So God does just this, what Job's talking about here. He he speaks to Joseph in this dream. In verse 24, it says this, when, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I want to read that again. When Joseph woke, he did. When Joseph woke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now you think about this. Joseph is pumped to get married. Joseph is pumped to do the things you do when you get married. Can I hear an amen from the men? Okay, y'all are too religious on me today. I don't know. I'm joking. He finds out she's pregnant. It's not from him. It's not a good day. That's not good news. It's not the dream. It's kind of a nightmare. It's not what you want to hear. But God speaks to him in this dream. And through this encounter, he asks Joseph to believe something that in the natural is unbelievable. And he's asked to not only believe it, he's actually asked to do something with what he believes. He's asked to obey God asked Joseph to believe the unimaginable, to believe that this was an act of God and not an act of adultery, and to do something that had never been done before, to be the earthly father of the Son of God. Church, being in the will of God will make you very uncomfortable at times. Being in the will of God will make you uncomfortable at times. You need to know that. If you're writing down things, write that down. Being in the will of God will make you uncomfortable. We cannot have this idea that following God is always easy and it really flows so good when we're following. I'm telling you, you will be put in uncomfortable situations when you follow what God is calling you to do. It's just the truth. He wakes from the dream, and what does he do? It says he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. We cannot overstate this. He did. He did. He does not have sex with his wife until after she gives birth. How many say that is obedience? He wakes and obeys. It's not delayed. It's, it's immediate. It's obedience. He hears within him. Through the dream, he hears God speaking to him in the dream within, and he obeys without. We hear within, and we obey without, with our action. That's how it works with us. We read the word of God, we hear what God is saying to us, 
and then we respond with our actions to obey him. He responds in obedience to the word of God and his obedience literally changes history in the course of the world. Here's what I want to say to you. Every divine work in scripture is always followed by an act of obedience. It's really important. This is really important for all of us as we follow the Lord, as we follow Jesus, we do not need to understand completely to obey immediately. That should have had a bigger amen. I want to say it again. We do not need to understand completely to obey immediately. Delayed obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience is still not obedience. And obedience isn't just agreeing with God, it's actually trusting God even when we don't understand and even when sometimes we don't agree with God. We don't like the word obey in our culture too much. It sounds constrictive. It sounds oppressive. I just want to, you know, we just say, but I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, I'll tell you this. It, 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 you can't be a follower of Jesus if you don't obey him. Because being a disciple, being an actual follower of Jesus means you're going to go where he calls you to go. You're going to do what he calls you to do. You're going to say what he calls you to say. That's what, it's, that's what obedience is called. And Joseph obeyed immediately. See, sometimes we come into worship services like this, we feel God, we get excited about it, but then we just go on and we kind of do our own thing. I want to tell you, that's not what following Jesus is. Joseph obeyed immediately, and when I obey immediately, there is a divine influence that comes into my life. There is something that happens when I come into agreement with what God has said, whether it's something I've read in his word that moves in my heart or it's a directional word or whatever it is that God is speaking to me. When I say yes and I move immediately on that, there is something divine that happens in me and I'm empowered to do it. Jump over to Luke 2. The angel Gabriel is dispatched from God to speak with her. She comes to, he comes to Mary, verse 28. And says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I, I was going to skip over this, but I feel like it's the week of Christmas. And I think it's important that we get this theology of what happened and be, and be reminded. Amen? Verse 29, it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There it is again. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. It says in verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And get this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Can we say that together? For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And it says the angel departed from her. How we respond to what we've heard from the Lord is always the greatest significance. How we respond to what we've heard from the Lord is always of the greatest significance. How will we respond to what we've heard? How am I responding to what I've heard from God? How am I responding to what I read yesterday in this word? How are we responding to what we've heard him tell us? She asks a question. Do you know it's okay to ask God questions? She doesn't ask why. She asks how. How will this be? How could this be possible? In other words, like my, she's like, my mind can't wrap around this. What you're telling me is humanly impossible since I'm a virgin. And he says, it's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you. It's going to be the power of the Most High. He is the one that is going to overshadow you to be able to carry what you could never carry and do what you could never do. Church, I sense this for us so much today. As I was in this passage, I sense this, and I want to remind you that he is still the God that does what you could never do. He is still the God that makes something out of nothing. He is still the God that breaks into time and space and does what only he can do to bring about his purposes on the earth and in your life. He's the God of the impossible, and he is still moving through humble and willing people that are yielded to him, who are willing to give up their rights, who are willing to give up their plans, who are willing to give up their comforts that will say, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. Be it unto me according to your word. That is who he uses, you guys. Whether it's the virgin birth, of the Savior of the world, or it's Elizabeth in her old age conceiving a son that's absolutely impossible, or it's the opening of blind eyes, or the destroying of sickness and disease, or the restoration of a dead and hopeless marriage. It's no different. I want to remind you what the angel said. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. It will be a work of the Spirit of God enabling you as the Spirit always does to do what you could never do and be what you could never be on your own. That is the good news. That is the good news. And I'll tell you this, he never asks us to do what he will not empower us to do. His part is the empowering. Our part is the surrendering of our lives to say it's my joy to lose my life and find it in Jesus Christ. That it's my joy. It's my joy. Jesus said, whoever will, will save his life, 
would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does that mean? That means i got to lay down all the things that I was wanting to do, and I pick up my life in him, and it's the most fulfilling life that ever could be. I'll tell you, maybe you're here today, and you've been walking in some kind of disobedience. You've been walking in a way that you know is not following him. I want to tell you today, if you will turn from that disobedience today, and you'll begin to walk in agreement with God, divine supernatural power will fill you up to do it. That is the truth. Joseph woke and did as the angel commanded him. Mary heard the word of the Lord and she laid down her life and said yes. God supernaturally empowers obedience. God interrupted Mary. God interrupted Joseph And God interrupts us. The way that he came is the way that he still comes. Through yielded, available, surrendered, laid down humble people who laid down their agendas. You didn't know it was going to be this kind of a Christmas message, did you? I'm telling you right now, guys, as we close out this year, I believe next year has so many incredible things. I believe there's a page turning for us as a church. I literally believe it. But it is, it is not going to be just kind of whatever people. It's going to be people that God uses that say, hey, I may not be qualified. It may not be this. I may not be that. But I'm laid down, and I'm willing to do whatever it is you want to do through me. I'm telling you, there's something that's going to happen. The fire of God is going to come and fill up those sacrifices that say, hey, not my will, but yours be done. This is the way forward. This is the way forward. The way that he came is still the way that he comes to those who say yes in obedience. And it's not just once, but they say yes over and over again. Do you know the easy part was for Mary to say that prayer right there? Be it unto me according to your word. Then the reality started hitting the next day. The shame that she would have to experience from people around her, the, the discomforts, the, uh, the unimaginable things that her life, the, the whole course of her life was shifted She kept saying yes and kept saying yes and kept saying. Following Jesus isn't just saying yes once. Following Jesus is a lifetime of obedience in the same direction. No matter how crazy and unexpected it may look, I believe he's calling us today to say yes. Charity, you can come. I don't know where you are. No matter how impossible it may be, no matter how counterculture it may be. He's looking for people who will lay their lives down and say, what you said I want to follow. Every new season requires a letting go of certainty in order to follow by faith and obedience the one who's leading us. Every, every new season. There's, just, there's something special about the closing of a year We make decisions at the end of the year about how we're going to step into the next year. I believe he's looking for people that will say yes to him in every way. Not just, yeah, you can have this part or that part, but a people who say literally my whole entire life is yours. And I may not understand some things. I don't even know how to walk it out. But my yes is yours. And as you take that little yes, divine power from heaven comes and fills you up to walk with him in it. There was a woman in Luke chapter 11 
who randomly, as Jesus is teaching later on, shouts out from the crowd and says, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And Jesus responds in that moment in verse 28 and says, he says this, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He wasn't disrespecting his mother or the importance of her womb. He was elevating what matters most, which matters most, which was hear and obey. He wasn't disrespecting Mary. He was elevating the centrality of hearing and obeying. And that is what Mary did. God is no respecter of persons. He's not looking for the powerful. He's not looking for the prominent. He's not looking for those with the best pedigree. He's not looking for those who are perfect or have it all together. He's looking for those who will hear and obey and who will say with a joyful yes to him, I want to follow you with all my heart. Do we have any of those people here today? I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to invite the ministry team to come as, just quickly. If you can, just come. We're going to pray. And I just um, felt really strong that in this next season, there are going to be people coming to Jesus in this building. And um, I want to give opportunity for that. Maybe you're here today and you've heard this message and you say, I've, I've never surrendered my life. Or maybe you had surrendered your life at some time, but you're not living in a place of surrender. I want to tell you, there isn't a better choice you could make with your life than giving it to Jesus today. Can I hear an amen in the house on that? There is not a better decision you could make today than that. And if you're here today and you want to surrender your life to him today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I want to do it this way, just right where you are. I'm going to count to three. And at three, I want to ask you just raise your hand if you'd say, I'm here today and I have not surrendered to Jesus, but I want to surrender to him. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand. We have work to do. 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 Our city is filled with unsurrendered people that need the love and the goodness of Jesus. And 82% of them will say yes if you invite them to come. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I want to ask you this. As we close out this year and we get ready to be, begin the new, I want to ask you this. Because I'm asking this question to myself too. And I want to invite you to close your eyes even right now and just maybe put your hands out in front of you in just a posture of just surrendering to the Lord. And I just want to ask you this as we close today. I want to ask you, is there any place in your life where you're not walking in obedience? Is there any place in your life where you're not walking in obedience, in relationships? Maybe it's in finances. 
Maybe it's in your character. Maybe it's in how you're loving your wife. Maybe it's in something to do with a family member. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Sometimes we think about the really big things, but maybe it's small things. Is there any place that's something that God has asked you to respond to that you have not responded to? How many would be honest right now, just with our eyes closed and lift your hand and say, yeah, there's something the Holy Spirit's pointing out to me. Yeah, yeah, hands up all over the room. Yeah, thank you for being bold and honest right there. Here's the thing, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And when we say yes to him in that area, he will empower us to walk in obedience in it. So I thank you, God, right now that we will end this year by addressing those things and making the changes necessary. I thank you that we'll end this year by not ignoring those things, but hitting them head on with you, with our weak yes to say, be it unto me according to your word. When we hear, we act. I pray in Jesus' name for that. Yeah. How many would say you need a breakthrough in your life in some area? Some, you, there's an impossible situation going on in your life and you need breakthrough in it today. Just lift your hand. Maybe it's in your body physically. Maybe it's just in finances. I don't know what it is. I want to declare you, to you today, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And Charity's going to sing here in a minute. And I want to invite anybody that needs prayer this morning for any reason. We've got the time. I want to invite you to come forward. This team of people have been praying for you. And we want to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you say, there's something I need agreement on that I need to lay down before the Lord. And I need to actually agree with somebody on that. I want you to come forward. Confess that thing. This team is here to pray for you. Maybe it's healing in your body. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, God is here in this place today. And if you just have a little yes in you, he will do the rest. He will empower you to walk in it the rest. So I declare that in Jesus' name. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I pray even right now for a boldness to come upon us to follow you with all of our heart. Charity's going to sing, come on for prayer.